kind of uh, anxious about things lately. I felt super anxious. I felt, um, I mean, I really appreciated this worship because a lot of it, was, especially those old hymns, because you know what? Our world has seen a lot of um, tribulation, not just in our time, right, but a couple hundred years ago, and they got through it, and we're going to get through it too. But they felt the same things that we feel, right? They, they, this is not a new feeling for people in our world. This is an ongoing feeling, this tension of um, good and evil, right? Of seeing things go one way that, you, that are not godly or you feel persecuted or whatever. I was even thinking today, I was praying, and I'm like, are we in the end times? Like, is this the end times? Do I believe, is this the way the end times is going to roll out? You know, because... Um, feels like Christians are being targeted and persecuted. Do you, do you guys feel that at all? I feel like there's some kind of um, weird, not just politically, I'm talking about Christians in general being persecuted for being coming to church or um, believing what they believe. And I was like, man, is this, is this what it's going to be? And I don't know about you, but I've, I've recommitted myself to really pressing into God at this time and trying to get his peace instead of um, worrying about where the world is going, right? So that's one of the reasons I decided to talk about Nehemiah, because if you remember, Nehemiah is a time when the Jewish, um, the Jewish nation is completely, almost completely scattered and destroyed, right? They've been conquered, and, and a lot of the remnant is in Persia. They're not, it'd be like if we were living over in Europe or something, and our home was the United States, and, and you know, we, were, we, had, we had some family left in Colorado, but we are separated from them, and we're over in Europe someplace, and, and we don't know what's going on. All we know is that there is um, chaos and, and uh destruction going on. And this is what was happening in Nehemiah's time in the, in the land of Israel, right? But you know what? God didn't leave them there, and he's gonna, not going to leave us here. He's not going to leave us like this, you guys. I don't know what he's going to do, but I know that he's God. And if he did it in the Old Testament, he can do it in the New Testament, right? And so that's what kind of brought me to Nehemiah. We talked, not, not last time, that was Brian Fenimore, but the time before, we talked about um, there's four themes in the book of Nehemiah. One of them is to rebuild, to restore, repent, and then revival. So I talked about rebuilding last time. Kurt's going to come next week. He's going to talk about restoring. This week I'm going to talk about repentance, which no one likes to hear about. And then the next one will be revival. Maybe I'll preach it. Maybe Chris will preach it. Right, babe? So um, no one really likes to hear about repentance because we always think that repentance is a negative thing, that it has to do with... Um, correction, criticism, judgment. I mean, do you ever feel like that? Like you need to repent. Like it's kind of a fire and brimstone message, right? Repent and turn from your sins, right? The definition online is um, a deep sorrow, contrition, uh, regret, and to change one's mind. But I don't think that really encompasses what a biblical definition of repentance is. You guys know who uh, Chris Valentin is. He writes this book called um, poverty, riches, and wealth. And, it's, and I'm going to be preaching on that down the road. But it's the difference between being poor in spirit and being prosperous in spirit and being wealthy in the whole of your um, being, not just money, but in every part of your life. And he talks about repentance in a different way. And he says biblical repentance is about aligning our thoughts and minds to the thoughts and ways of God. You know, one of the most famous repentance stories in the Bible is the story of the prodigal son, 
right? We've got this picture of um, a, a son who was rebellious slightly, right? And he wants to take his inheritance. He, essentially, he's like, you know, Dad, I wish you were dead and I could have my money now because that's what he was really saying. You didn't get your money um, when you were a, a son until the father passed away. But he was saying, you know, I wish you were dead so I could have your money. And the father's like, you know, there's nothing I can do to change your mind. You, you're set in your ways. He gave him his money, and he let the son go. And the son went to a faraway land, spent all his money on not good things, you know, debauchery, drunkenness, whatever that could be, and found himself in the pig pen, right? And he was not even, didn't even have enough money to eat better than the pigs. The pigs were eating whatever they were eating. And this is, my, this is the one I love the most. And he says to himself, he says, even my, the servants in my father's house and something. And he came to his senses. And he said, I'm going to go back to my father's house and ask if I can just be a servant. Can I just be a servant because I'll eat better than I'm doing right now? That he came to his senses, to me, is a picture of repentance right there. Um, you know, Bob always talks about how there's two places in our bodies where we kind of hold truths, our head and our heart, right? Our head is maybe a picture of the intellectual things that we think or know, and our heart is what we truly believe. That's what we act out of, is our heart. We can say that we act out of our head, but we really don't. We act out of our heart. Um, because there be, there's, you know, heard that um, saying, there's no atheists in foxholes. People may be like, I don't believe in God, but the minute something like that comes at them, they believe in God. You know, I've done a lot of funerals um, for people, people that may, may not have, have lived for the Lord their whole life, but when they die, they want to have a funeral, and they want to have a Christian funeral, because they really do believe in God. Even though they haven't lived that way, there's still an inside knowledge of God. So, you know... I believe that when we repent, we have to actually align our heart and our head with God, his heart and his, his mind. We have to align with that, and that's true repentance. And repentance, you guys, is really a gift from the Lord because God wants us to be transformed. He wants us to be rescued, and he, wants, he doesn't want us to have the consequences of sin. Like with the... Um, with the um, prodigal son. There were consequences to his decision. He wanted to do things his way, and he ended up in the pig pen. And he had to realign his mind with the truth of the world, which was even my father feeds his servants better than I am getting right now. He had to come to a place where he actually turned. He, he turned from one thought, and then he carried out that action. And that is what repentance is. is we, we come out of um, alignment with the world and we align ourselves with the Lord, and then we walk that path. And it's not because the Lord is like, hey, I want you to be cognizant of your sin because you're a sinner, and you're bad, and I'm holy, and this is the only way that you can approach me. I'm here to say repentance is a gift because the Lord's like, wait a minute. The only way you can experience your destiny is by aligning yourself with my way. My way is going to restore you and open the doors of destiny, and I don't want you to miss it. So I need you to repent so we're on the same page. So I can, I can do things for you that I can't do if you're not in alignment with me. It's an alignment issue.
And there's a difference between remorse and repentance. Sometimes we think, oh, we're sorry about things, and that's repentance, but that's not really what repentance is. Repentance means you change your mind and you go a different way. It's an action. It's sorry with an action. Chris and I kind of talk about the five-point apology, don't we, honey? And the five-point apology is in that is this idea that I'm sorry and I'm going to do things differently from now on. It's not just I'm sorry. I don't just have remorse. I'm actually going to change my ways. That's the idea of repentance. And in Nehemiah, you see that, that Nehemiah came back and he, he helped to rebuild the walls in 54 days, which is actually a picture of acceleration. God was accelerating what was happening. And if you remember the, um, the brother prophet, so to speak, in this story is Ezra. Ezra is a scribe from Persia, right? Same time as Nehemiah. He was in Persia. He was impressed by the Lord to learn the law. And he had a burden to go back to Israel, go back to Jerusalem, and restore the law to the people, right? Nehemiah was like, I'm going to go back and rebuild the wall. Ezra's like, I'm going to go back and restore the temple and, and teach the people. So in Nehemiah, you have this picture of the people being rebuilt, but now they have to align themselves with God's way of doing things. They hadn't known it for a long time. So Ezra starts to teach them, and this is kind of interesting, you guys. It says in uh, Nehemiah 9.3, they stood where they were, this is the Israelites, and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. You know, a lot of people complain about a one-hour service. These guys did an all-day service, just so you know. They repented and they worshiped. Have you ever heard that thing called um, stinking thinking? I never really liked that because it was kind of like an MLM thing, you know, to kind of motivate people to change their ways. But in reality, stinking thinking is what it's all about. Paul says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because when we renew our mind, we're going to be aligned with what God has got for us, right? In um, one of our marriage classes, we talked about this thing called drift. If you're not um, on purpose aiming for one thing, you're going to drift down. You never drift up. You never drift into good things but you drift down into bad things if you're not stopping it. Do you know what I'm saying? There's this um, illustration kind of of this. Any of you guys fly in a, in a small plane before? Okay. Well, they you have. They do this thing when they're teaching pilots um, how to fly. This is kind of a training exercise. Um, and you, they, wanna, they want to teach pilots how to be aware of their situation, and sometimes you can't trust certain things you need to be really aware of where you're at because you can get confused and fly into a mountain, right? So there's this exercise where you go up with the instructor and they turn the um, plane two degrees very, very slowly so it tricks your inner ear and you don't understand what, where you're at. And your instruments also stay the same. And when, the, when you give, if after a certain amount of time, the, the instructor gives it over to the student and the student has to figure out what's going on, and if you're not careful, you can drift so much if you don't pay attention that you're upside down and your landing gear is up here, and you're completely upside down, and you don't even realize it. You don't, because it happens so slowly, right? And that's what can happen in our lives. 
right, you guys? If we don't align ourselves with God every day, we can do the drift, the drift, the drift. And pretty soon our lives are upside down. You know what happens when you land with your landing gear up? You pretty much die. You pretty much die because you're not landing on landing gear. And this is what happens to people when we're not conscious of our, our posture of repentance on a daily basis, right? You know, I don't know about you, but I was, there's, you know, people in my life that I pray for and, um, you know, for different things. And God really impressed them. He's like, you know what, you need to pray for yourself that you are actually not deceived, that you're actually not deceived, that you're actually repenting and you're aligning with my heart on a daily basis. Because it's really easy right now to be polarized. It's really easy to point the finger at somebody else and say, you're wrong and this is right. And I don't believe, you guys, that's God's heart. I don't believe polarization is God's heart. I think we have to be so careful right now to align ourselves with the Lord that we don't become like that pilot in the airplane and we get turned upside down and we don't even recognize that we're doing it. Do you know what I'm saying? In, in Nehemiah, it says, they stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. Oh, I told you that. And then they, um, they wept and they made shelters for themselves to worship the Lord. They made, it was the, um, what do you call that? The um, Feast of Tents, right? They didn't remember their feast. See, all these things happened when they came into the promised land, but then they were so scattered that everything became lost to them. So when they heard the law of the Lord, they worshiped because it was life to them and they hadn't heard it before. But we know that there's consequences to our sin, Right? They said, but see, we are slaves today, slaves in the land you gave our ancestors so they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. Because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. This is a picture of consequences. This is a picture of not obeying the law, not obeying what God has called us to do. That's why I believe in things like Celebrate Recovery or coming to church or doing this kind of thing on a, on a continual basis because we need to constantly challenging, challenging each other. Are we drifting away? Are we staying aligned with the Lord? It's why we preach star, stop, turn, ask, and respond, right? Because we want to always be doing what God has called us to do. You know, it would behoove us if we could all take some time over the next week and say, Lord, what, in what area do I need to repent and get aligned with what you have? Because it's not, it's not for, it's not to expose our sin. It's to expose our destiny. It's to expose our transformation. It's to expose all. People are so afraid of the word repentance because they think it's a negative thing. And my challenge to you tonight, you guys, is to not look at it as a negative thing. The Israelites didn't look at it as a negative thing. They were so excited that they could actually know the law, they, that they had a festival for it. They had a big, um, 
they signed a document. They made a big contract with the, um, the priests, and they signed all their names and said, we're going to now, from now on, we're going to follow the law. We're going to do everything that you've told us to do. They were excited to do that because they knew that for Jerusalem to be restored, they were going to need to follow and go back to what God had called them to do. The walls had been rebuilt, but in order to hold the land, in order to be prosperous in the land, they had to realign themselves with the Lord. They had to recommit themselves to doing what God had called them to do. And I think for us, you guys, if we're going to be in a land that needs to be rebuilt, because we are in a land that needs to be rebuilt, we're in a land that needs some new walls, right? In order for us to do that, we're going to have to have a time of repentance. Not just for us, I mean America, people. We're going to have to have a time where we go back and say, wait a minute, what do we believe in and how are we going to stand for it, right? And we are going to have to stand for those things, you guys. And we are going to have to repent. We're going to have to say, where have I gotten off track? Where am I upside down on my plane? Where have I drifted? But at the same time, there are things we need to commit to in order to preserve what God has given us. And it's going to be a time, I mean, I think about the end times, it may be a time where we have to stand for that, We have to stand and say, this is what I believe, and I'm not going to deter away from it. And I'm actually going to worship the Lord in this because I know this is where it comes from. You know, in this world, God has built in the law of reciprocity. And if we do not, if we... (laughs) If we decide as people we're going to go our own way and we're not going to follow him, you guys, we're going to receive the fruit of that. Because God, it says in the Bible, God will not be mocked. You reap what you sow. And if we're going to be leaders in our country, in Castle Rock, in our families, we've got to get a hold of that law that that you reap what you sow. That God will not be mocked. That there is a law of reciprocity in in our world. You know, we, it's, there is no such thing as um, relative morality or relative, um, abso- that kind of, we have some absolute things that God has built into our world, and we're going to have to abide by those things and be careful to not be pulled away from that. Does that make sense to you guys? And personally, we've got to, I believe we have to examine our own hearts. Where have we drifted away? Where have we not aligned with the Lord? and get back on track, because we're going to be the leaders for this restoration that's coming. It's going to be us. we got to get ourselves ready for revival and restoration. Like, I believe that, again, we have not been put in this time and place just coincidentally. We're put in this time and place for such a time as this, because our country needs us, our city needs us, the people around us need us. There are so many, besides the fear that's rampant with COVID and all that kind of stuff. There are so many divorces, suicides that are happening because kids can't get back to school. We got to get our stuff together. You know I want to say another word. We got to get our stuff together so that we can be the leaders that this world needs. And that's what repentance is about. It's about leadership. It's about, it's about our destiny. It's not just about repenting from our sins. That's true. But there's no way for us to, to walk forward in the kingdom if we're not aligned with the Lord. We've got to get aligned with God. And I, like I said, I'm going to wrap it up. I don't know about you, but I've really been impressed lately that this is a, this is a big deal to God. We, we've been comfortable for a while, right? 
we haven't experienced a lot of persecution. I haven't growing up. I mean, not that, that I would recognize. We've been kind of comfortable. You know, there's some things coming that might not be comfortable. In order for us to um, overcome that, we got to do our work now. we got to lay some foundation now. And that may be, you know, upping your time with the Lord. That may be some more um, intentional stuff that you've got to do. But I believe that we're, there's some things coming, and we've got to be ready for that. And that's aligning with the Lord. So that's, that's my thing, you guys. That's my repentance.